Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Last Drinks. Wow, you may have heard the name Samantha X. Samantha X was a former high-profile escort. Samantha X no longer exists because Amanda Goff, who created Samantha X, kind of like a coping mechanism to deal with some life stuff, Amanda Goff decided to say goodbye to Samantha X. Does this sound a bit confusing? Amanda Goff is who I'm chatting to on the podcast today and she really spells out what it's like working in the sex industry, why she got sober, how she continued to work for a little while in the sex industry while she was sober and why she decided to have her last drink. She's been sober for a fair while now. She's very passionate about um, sobriety and being an advocate for sobriety, especially amongst busy women. It's a really amazing chat. It definitely, um, it was really interesting for me because I think I have a perception of what a sex worker in the sex industry is like. And after having a really in-depth, candid, vulnerable and honest conversation with somebody who in a former part of her life was very much involved in that world. It really just spun my perception on its head. And Amanda is, she's full of light and she has really taken to sobriety um, and is carrying that forward in this next iteration of what she wants to create now that she's left that life with Samantha X behind her. So this is, yeah, it's a really interesting, fascinating, deep dive. And I, yeah, I just, I loved it. I love chatting to her and I loved connecting with her. So you please enjoy Last Drinks with Amanda Goff, a.k.a. Samantha X. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And Amanda, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Your last drink. When did you have your last drink? Hi, Maz. Uh, my last drink. <laughs> um, my last drink I was, well, I've been sober for four years. Um, I remember the last time I got pissed, and that was at a barbecue with some mums and dads. I embarrassed myself horrendously. Um, whether I stopped drinking that night or not, I don't know, but that was the, last, that was the, the, that was the turning point for me, was that, was, that, was that party. And I embarrassed myself so much. I thought, that's it, I'm done. Now, do you remember embarrassing yourself or do you? did you feel embarrassed the next day when you kind of came to? Because I, I know like at the, you know, peak of my ability to be drunk, sometimes I would only feel embarrassed 
when somebody the next day would send me a message and be like, oh, my God, babe, like you did this. You know what I mean? Um, thankfully, I cannot remember what I did, but I was told by the host of the party that I embarrassed myself and I was extremely offensive to people and, and um, that I should apologise the next day to a certain woman. So I rang her up the next day and apologised for what I don't know because I don't remember, wow. thinking she'd say, oh, we're all really smashed, don't worry about it. And she said, Amanda, your behaviour yesterday, last night was the reason I've been sober for 10 years. And she said, I can't tell you what to do with your life, but uh, she has, I was a party girl like you and then my boyfriend killed himself. Mm. So I just wish you good luck on your journey. And, yes, you were very offensive to me. And, you know, to this day, wow. I do not know what I said to her and I do not want to know. But I got sober pretty soon after and I still see this lady around Bondi and I say to her, thank you for saving my life. It was a real light bulb moment. You know, yeah. like it was, it was someone that basically said, yeah, you've got a problem. You know, they didn't just sweep it under the carpet. Go, no, 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 no. She said, you have a problem. Well, and maybe it was the first time that somebody brought that to your attention because I do know in the circles that I was running around with in 2014, you know, that was my year of sober curiosity, but it was very much on a Monday morning like, oh, no, babe, like we were we were all having a good time. You know, like <coughs> you, it's very much like, well, you, your behavior was like, you know, out of control, but then like I was out of control a few weeks ago. So what's the difference? And it's like this whole, we're okay. Let's not, let's yeah. not say we're not okay because then we're not okay. But this that's woman right. called you out. She um, called me out. Yeah. yeah. And that's big of her because a lot of people don't like a bit of confrontation or a bit no. of like brutal honesty, but good for her for going, hey. Yeah. Mm. That's right. She called me up. I mean, people have been saying it for a while. My close friends have been worried about me for a while. But I'm just like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, they're so boring. Um, but when this lady who I didn't know that well, she wasn't a close friend. She was a mum. I just thought, wow. Oh, well, my first thought was, shut up. We pissed off, seriously. And my second thought was, wow, I must have a problem then. This is getting mm. embarrassing. And... Um, yeah, but look, I needed to hear that. So I think it was important to hear that from someone that wasn't in my sort of close circle. Yeah. And so when you have this sort of light bulb penny drop moment, what's your next sort of port of call? Because I think for some people listening, Amanda, they might have had that moment where someone's called them out or they've had that like, you know, when the, the colour drains from your face moment of like, oh, God, oh. I, this, I need to get my shit in check. What did you do? Where did, you know, where was your kind of, I guess, where, where did you end up discovering sobriety for yourself? Uh, for me, and everyone's story is different, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, that's my, it's a 12-step recovery program. And I got sober in the rooms there. And it was life-changing. Because... Getting sober is easy. Staying sober is hard. And the recovery group, the program, helps me stay sober. That's amazing. And the reasons why I drink, you know, that it tackles the reasons why you drink through the 12 steps. Yes. Um, and, look, I struggle there sometimes. I, you know, I deny that I'm an alcoholic. I deny that I've got an issue. And they say, go, go and test it. Go and go drink again. You know, we can always refund your misery. Wow. 
And look, you're right. Everyone's process is different and different things work for different people. But if you can, you know, hold yourself accountable to whatever program or plan that is, that's the key. And I have to agree with you. And I haven't, I don't think I've really unpacked this so much in my conversations on the podcast, but I would agree that getting sober is the easy bit and mm. staying sober is the challenge. Like, yes, especially when you're desperate to be sober. For me, I was desperate. I was like, I don't want to drink. I hate drinking. I'm done. Like, get me out of this trap. I hate it. And so I, yeah, I stopped drinking and that was pretty easy. But then it's navigating back into society. It's figuring out who you are without alcohol. It's sitting in the uncomfortability of not getting smashed when you might have some emotions that you're not ready to deal with. Like there's so <coughs> much stuff that is the challenge. And I think something like AA, some people, it's not their thing. That's fine. Find a thing. If it is your thing, stick to the program, mm. go to the meetings, do mm. the 12 steps, you know. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and you're so right, Mads, and it's not for everyone. Um for me, uh, you know, it works for me because there's a community there and I need community. And, mm. you know, it has been said that the opposite of addiction is connection and I need that connection. And, you know, let's, let's, not, let's be honest, being sober can be lonely because everyone mm. seems to be drinking and everyone seems to be partying, especially, uh, you know, birthdays, Christmas, blah, blah, celebrations, commiserations. There's always a reason to drink. Mm. Um, and it can be lonely because you do feel excluded and people think, oh, you know, you we'll go to this bar oh but you don't drink it's like well I can still go to a bar you know yeah. it doesn't matter what's in my glass really does it but yeah. it does I do feel a little bit left out sometimes I have to say mm. drink. do you feel like that I feel like a little yeah. bit I do think oh is it you know I was in Bali recently watching the sunset and everyone had their cocktails and I thought oh. Oh. you know you sort of like have this rose tinted view of what it was like yeah and I think too if especially if you've been a big drinker and if you equate, you know, I guess your interaction with alcohol as a relationship, right? I always talk about my relationship with alcohol and I've, re, yeah. I've reimagined it. I've reframed it. Yes. But if you're in relationship every day with something and then it's gone, it's a really big, it's a big deal and you miss it. And there's almost this like, this is going to sound weird. God. But like grieving process. Yeah, no, there is. There's a grieving process. And we don't talk about that. We just go, mm. you know, and I, I agree with you that the path to sobriety that you took might not be everyone else's path because that might not work for people. But sobriety works for people. Like the end game is sobriety. There are lots of ways to get sober. Yeah. You know, um, there are lots and lots of ways to get sober. And whether you're in a 12-step program or the smart recovery or you do your podcast, you listen to podcasts or you just, you know, wing it, it doesn't matter. As long as you're getting sober and as long as you're feeling healthier, it doesn't matter how you get sober. I agree. So can I ask you then, um, pre-embarrassing moment at (laughs) barbecue. Oh, there's plenty of them, but that was just one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you know why you drank? Do you know how alcohol crept into your life and became so destructive? Well, do you know what, Maz? It wasn't until my 30s and 40s it became a problem. Um, and unbeknownst to me, I had 
I was diagnosed with bipolar 18 months ago and it was a way of medicating myself. I had no idea I had bipolar. So I was medicating myself, which is very common bipolar, mm. um, as a way to deal with it. And once I was, and the reason they picked up the bipolar is because I stopped drinking, but the symptoms were still there. I was still completely mad. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, that's huge. Yeah. So had I carried on drinking, my bipolar would never have been diagnosed. <clears throat> so I was masking a lot of pain, mm. you know, emotional pain by drinking. And drinking is fantastic at that. But it also, what goes up has to come down. And mm. the party lifestyle comes with a huge price. So there were some very dark days for me there. I can imagine. Mm. And I guess too when, you know, in early sobriety, like you said, connection being the opposite of addiction, having that inbuilt community, having a place to go, mm. a seat to sit in, you know, mm -hmm. having somewhere you can be in that darkness is helpful. And because not only is quitting drinking can be a lonely experience, but like not because you, some people feel like outcast by society, but when you are confronted with your trauma, with the past that you drank to forget or deal with or stuff down or shove away, it's still all there. And that can be a lonely road too, because, you know, sometimes it's just for us to, to wade through those murky waters of emotions and why did this happen to me, mm. you know, and that, that's big, big shitty stuff. Yeah, it's very confronting when you realise that actually all the chaos and drama in your life is actually caused by you. Mm. Um, and when I stopped drinking, the drama sort of fell away. Yeah. There seemed there was no more chaos in my life. I mean, look, day-to-day <clears throat> -day stuff, of course, but, you know, there was always a drama. I was always covered in bruises. I was always losing stuff. I was always in debt. You know, I don't know how I got home. I don't know who I shagged, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it just, when, when I put the bottle down and the lifestyle down, the reality of what you've done, the, the, the sort of car crash mm. that you've been in for the past decade is uh, apparent. It's really confronting. Now, when you, um, when you said you had a, bipolar diagnosis this is, a, mm. this is something that I really want to talk about with you and I don't know how to refer to her I don't know if we refer to Samantha. her as your alter ego as somebody in your past but Samantha X is yes. a big part of your story and I don't <coughs> know where the timelines match up on when and how you were Samantha X and, and now you being Amanda, are they one in the same? Like, can you explain that to me? <laughs> um, so I, I created Samantha um, 10 years ago. And she was, you know, I, I was a journalist for many years, living a very white picket fence life, had a partner, two young children. <clears throat> I wasn't happy, left partner and then became a high-class escort and I wrote a couple of books about it and the rest was history and then when I was diagnosed with bipolar I was medicated and then I realized I didn't need to create this other character anymore I didn't need to hide behind Samantha so I retired from I eventually retired from the adult industry 
and to coincide with getting sober, I got sober four years ago, so I was still working as Samantha when I was sober, and I didn't have a problem with it. It wasn't the sobriety that that um, changed my perception of the job. It was just me healing, really. Yeah, <clears throat> which you know, which goes hand in hand. Like the sobriety and the healing. The sobriety yeah. brings the healing. The healing brings to you, I guess, that sense of inner peace where you can be you yeah. and not her or escape to be her. That's right. And, you know, I always say, well, I definitely, definitely believe that Samantha saved my life at times. Um, you know, she was powerful and confident and resilient when I didn't feel like that. Mm. Um, and my drinking wasn't really as Samantha. It was mostly as Amanda anyway. So Samantha was the person that got me out of bed. And wow. Yeah. I, I Look, I love Samantha and I, it feels a bit wanky talking about myself in the third person. No, it doesn't. Person. No, because I honestly, like, it's so, I find it, so, as someone who's fascinated by human psychology, yeah, I, yeah. I do because, as you said, like, she saved you in moments. She like, did. she served she a big did. purpose in Massive. your life. She also delivered you an income. You know, there there are reasons to be grateful for Samantha. And she helped a lot of people. Samantha helped a lot of people. Like I heard a lot of stories from men. Um, you know, I've wiped many tears. I've helped. I know Samantha has helped women um, become more empowered, I, which I never meant to do. Like when mm. I wrote my books, I just thought I'm a journalist becoming an escort and I'm writing a book about it. What's the mm. big deal? You know, I didn't, I didn't know I had this message for women. I just didn't, mm. I didn't really think that that was going to happen. But you know, even now I'm inundated with women who, um, messages from women who say, oh, you know, I'll just, you know, you're inspiration because you've helped me leave my husband or your strength or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I just think, well, how have I done that? Yeah. You know, have I done, even with now being sober, it's almost that people are more fascinated about the sobriety than they are about the sex industry. Well, see, this is what I find really interesting is that it, because so this is my perception of, of the sex industry is like you just get wasted to get the job done because that that's just me and I don't have any real life experience in it. That's just a perception that has been, yeah. you know, painted, I guess, in society or how I've just perceived it. So I I find it so intriguing to have this conversation that you got sober and you still worked as an escort for a period of time before yeah. you rested her and then you rested her because of your own healing. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And look, it's a work in progress. But no, Samantha was never, the job was never a problem for me. And it wasn't just in there where I'm bamming out. You know, my clients, I've, I love them, you know, in a very affectionate kind of way. And we do things like go for dinners or, or go to the theatre or, you know, go away. You know, there's one client we used to go to bed at nine o'clock every night and just be on our iPads. You know, it was just it was just like having lots of little. Well, that's my marriage. <laughs> Actually, disclaimer: no screens in our bedroom. Thank you very much. We well, do good. we do have no TV, no screens in the bedroom. Well, at least you're still sort of sharing the same bedroom, which is good. Yes, um, we're in this. It's a king size bed, and I'm a tiny person, so it works. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was, um, the job I always found quite empowering and I know that word's used a lot, but mm. I, I, I actually found it, I was the one in control. You yeah. know, I was the one who had power. It taught me boundaries. It taught me to say no. I learned how to say no, you know, and, um, mm. I look back on my days very, very, very fondly. I love it. 
And so yeah, when... Yeah, and the money, of course, was fantastic. Well, that's what I mean. Like, she provided... She created a livelihood for you and... She created an amazing life Like a me. great I'm, life. I am so grateful for her. And she taught me compassion as well, you know. Mm. So four years sober, it's worked really mm. well for you. What's your biggest bit of advice to someone because mm. I feel like a lot of people gravitate towards this podcast when it's like getting signposted for them when it's like yes. oh you know when you go oh I think I'm gonna buy a yellow car and then all of a sudden all so you see beautiful. everywhere is yellow cars I feel like sobriety can really be like that for some people especially when they land here so do you have like a piece of advice for someone who's like Either, you know, drinking to the point that it's problematic or maybe it's just like, I do it every day and I don't know how to stop. Have you got a bit of advice on, you know, I guess how people can take that? It it seems like a huge leap when you're looking down the barrel of sobriety. Mm. It's like overwhelming sometimes for some people. Yeah, well, I mean, in 12-step we say it's it's progress, not perfection. Like you're not going to necessarily get it straight away. Um also, they say it's the first drink that does that does the damage, not the last one. So try not to pick up the first drink. Also, get support. There's so much support out there for people. If, you, mm. if you're really worried, go to your GP. You know, there's plenty. And, and I'm not saying you don't have to be an alcoholic to want to stop drinking. Not at all. And like you say, Maz, you don't have to be an alcoholic to have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. You don't have to have a problem with alcohol to be an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, you can just decide to want to stop drinking. And it's incredibly hard because it seems to be everywhere. But the sober scene is so much more prevalent now. And, you know, there's so much support out there. And, you know, without wanting to sound like an American advert for makeup, you are worth it. You are worth getting (laughs) sober. You are worth – there is another way. You know, you don't don't have to be that person. You can change. And it's, it's about putting the glass down and picking up your life. Yeah, absolutely. So you – so four years ago you get sober. Then you, mm. you keep working in the industry that you were and then you pivot. So what do you, what does your life look like now that you've really, I mean, rebranded in a way? Like when I say rebranded, you, you've gotten out of an industry and you're doing something else with your time now. Well, I'm actually in limbo land because I'm just having some time off to think where I'm going to go next in my life. What the hell am I going to do? I'm doing a coaching course in February because... I want to still help people in some capacity. Mm. You know, being Samantha was largely about listening to people and helping them and supporting them. So I still want to do that just with my clothes on. Um, and look, I, I, I have a few projects for the media. I don't, I, to be honest, I don't have a plan. And sometimes that's a really good place to be. I don't have a grand plan. You know, I've always been very, I'm going to write books. I'm going to be Samantha. I'm going to create this. I'm going to create that. I have an escort agency. And now that's all gone. I actually just going to see where life takes me now. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having a relationship, you know, like I haven't had a relationship for years. You know, something that being Samantha made it really hard to do. I bet. Um, so we'll see what happens. And I love that for you because, and I think that there's a really beautiful, um, like, gold nugget in what you just said in that you don't have to have it all worked out. Like, if you want to mm. get sober, you don't have to have a grand plan with a beginning, a middle, and an end, like a Pixar movie, you just need to stop drinking. 
and then you just need to yeah. wake up the next day and not drink and that's the start of your sobriety story mm-hmm. and being in limbo land is actually a really beautiful place to be because you can choose and I think for you particularly being in limbo land means like now there'll be doors opening that you never would have had on your radar if you were still never. drinking you know never and you know yeah you're so right Matt. and you know what? i can look at this in two ways i either panic that i've got you know i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life i'm freaking out you know what am i gonna do for money blah, blah, blah. or i can accept that and appreciate the fact i'm in this wonderful position that i can choose what i want to do also if i pick up that drink i can write off the future like i will just be my life i will unravel very very quickly yeah so do you still go to meetings? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't do them every day, but I do them enough to stay sober. Great. And it's just more of a community thing for me now. I've got lots of friends in recovery. But um, it is also important to hear the newcomer and to hear the stories that they're telling you because, you know, there are people that come in on day one, day two, and, and you just think, I remember being that person yeah. and I do not want to be that person again. You know, I've worked really hard at being sober. Yeah. And one thing that I, well, there's so many things that I love about sobriety, you know, but one of the things that I love about sobriety is this almost inbuilt feedback loop where you do hear people who are like, I'm newly sober and you get transported back to like, oh my God, I totally have walked this path. I know where you're at and it's going to be okay. And it's this, and I feel like most of the people who I've met who have stopped drinking want to help other people stop drinking. Yes. And it's not because they're the nicest people in the world. It's just because they're sober and they have found, not that they're all assholes either, but it's like they found. Oh, they can be. They can they be. Can be yeah. ass- you can be a sober asshole. That's fine. So long as you're sober. Yeah, just because someone's sober doesn't mean they're nice, <laughs> but yeah. But it's like, they, I feel like sobriety is this superpower. And once you, once you, it's like once you get that cape on, You want to give the cape to anyone who's going to wear it, but the other person has to want to wear it, you know? And so I do love that whole going back to meetings for your own accountability and hearing other people on day one, two, 10, 20, whatever is an encouragement to you to keep going and also that there are other people that you can help. And I love that it's like this unspoken thing that just happens all of a sudden. It's like this. I call it the progressive revelation of sobriety. Like, cause you constantly uncover new and wonderful things when you're sober. That doesn't stop after three months or 12 months. I'm nearly eight years in and I'm still like having these truth bombs and they would not be apparent if I wasn't sober. Do you, do you ever worry about picking up again? Not at all. Cause I'm so done with it and I I have built a life that I would not risk ruining you know what I mean and my son has never seen me drink and I love that I have a really awesome marriage and alcohol is not a part of the equation and I love that and I have no desire I can actually I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones that I can go to a bar and sit there and everyone can have a beer in their hand and I'm fine. I don't actually, I'm so fine to not even have, I don't even need a water in my hand anymore. I can just sit and chat and I'm cool. 
So for me, no, there's not even a, it's not even, it's, it's just never going to happen. It's, I'm really, really am not going to, and it's not a struggle for me, but I understand for some people, it really is a big deal for a really long time. That whole, oh my God, like, is this going to be the thing that maybe tips me over the edge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that's a different thing that other people need to manage and have their inbuilt support system and communities. And I call it the sobriety toolkit. Like what are the things in your toolkit that you can use so that you don't go down that road again? You know, whether it's self-care, whether it's meditation, yoga, fitness, whatever it is, um, go to that place first. You know what I mean? And I, I feel lucky that (coughs) maybe all of my little mini practices that I have in place in my world just keep me, you know, I think the yeah. biggest deterrent, to be completely honest with you, is having a three-and-a-half-year-old and a hangover would be my version of oh hell. Oh, my God. And I've been there. I've hell. been there. It is absolutely I would. Ne- I, I'm like, I, I'm, sometimes I struggle sober as a mum. Yeah. I'm like, drinking's only going to make it so much worse. And do you know, that's a really good point because my kids are teenagers now and, mm. you know, they're drinking and blah, blah. And I just thought, thank God I'm not one of those mums that drinks with them. Like yeah. I know some people get smashed with their kids. Yeah. And I just would, I would have been one of those people. And I'm so glad my kids don't see that. How, how do you feel about your kids drinking? Have you had conversations with them about your um, sobriety? Yeah, they know. And they've seen the good and bad, you know. Um, yeah, look, they, they, they don't drink. Or I mean, one of them's not old enough, but the other one drinks very normally, like a like anyone else his own age, you know. Um, but yeah, they've seen it. They, they I don't need to have those conversations all the time with them. They've seen mm. what their mother's been like, drunk mm. and unconscious, or you know, a mess. And now they've seen what sobriety does. So yeah. that's the best lesson you can give them, you know. Yeah, 100%. and that's the best lesson you can give anyone is that, that they witness your journey and. Mm. That, that's that's way more effective for me sitting down going oh alcohol is bad because not everyone has a problem with alcohol some people normal people can go and have a drink and then that's it and they'll drink again for the next week but yeah you know they've seen that alcohol can be a problem and they've seen that you can get sober yeah because my hope so because my little one he's only three and a half so i hope by the time he's a teenager that the person at the party who's having a drink is the person that everyone is like, are you okay? What's wrong? Why are you drinking? Do you know what I mean? Because at the moment, the way our society is set up, if you're not drinking, everyone thinks there's something wrong with you. It's like, are you okay? What happened? You're not drinking. What's wrong? But in reality, like it should be the other way around, right? It should be. We all hang out. We're connected. We're engaged. We're present. We're sober. And if there's someone drinking, it's like, oh, my God, are you all right? Do you want to have a chat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything going okay? What's going on with you? Yeah, And yeah, look yeah. out for that person. So I hope that, you know, we can turn the, the big old ferry around. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, which would be amazing. And, and that's why I'm having these conversations and, and that's why. And it's, it is quite amazing too, Amanda, how, like I was saying about that whole yellow car situation, you know, once yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love having conversations about sobriety. And then I started this podcast as a bit of a way just to do that. But 
it's like it's just gravitating towards these really incredible stories and they're all so valuable and they're all so different. And so I I genuinely yeah. appreciate you sharing yours um, and, and taking the time to have the conversation. It's so, it's just wonderful. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.